0: Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we magnify and we glorify your precious name. Thanking you, Lord God, for this day, another day that you've given us, Lord God, and another opportunity, Lord God, that we have in the earth, Lord God, for you to use us, Lord God. Lord, this is not a day, Lord God, that like none other. This is the only day, Lord God, that we are guaranteed and have been promised, Lord God, as we are here right now, Lord God. So I pray right now as you speak to our hearts, Lord God, that every heart is open. I pray that we've used this time of worshiping and praising you in prayer, Lord God, and just sitting before you to to open our hearts and to yield our hearts to you, Lord God, that you may be able to speak to us as we seek you, Lord God. Your word encourages us to seek you while you may be found. That gives me an indication, Lord God, that there's coming a time and a day, Lord God, that we won't be able to seek you any longer, Lord. So right now, Lord God, let us open our hearts. Speak to our hearts, Lord God, that it may change us. That some rearrangement may happen in our lives, Lord God. That after this moment in this time, Lord God, that we will never be the same and all this in agreement and all the desires that truth let us say amen, amen amen in the name of Jesus we say amen glory be to God we're going to just jump right in uh, to the word on this morning I would like to uh, ask uh, Mr. Rico if you can pass out a few of these for those that weren't here on last week, If you weren't here on last week, could you raise your hand as he wants to give you a handout? I gave Jeanette one already. Amen. Glory be to God. So as you receive the handouts, we're going to just dive right in to the message. Uh, We are continuing our journey through the message of what is your life? The title of the message is what is your life this is part three my friends and we are on a journey as God has set before us and in what is your life parts one and two the main thing that God has expressed to us uh, that we, he wants us to understand truly in, in what is our, your life he wants you to understand and to know my friends that Our life and our time here is just a a vapor. Glory be to God. Uh, And in in understanding that our time here, somebody uh, stay with me, that uh, your time, our time, our life here is just a vapor. So when he says, uh, what is your life? This life that he's talking about is not the essence of your life, not the origin of your life, but he's specifically talking about uh, your birth date to your death date in there. We're talking about a time period of life in there uh, that, that describes from the time that you were born until the time that you die or, ta- or, that, or such a time that Jesus come again. And more specifically, he's referred to a time that when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior for each and every one of us that have received Christ and that we are the redeemed of the Lord. Now, if you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, Amen. if you have any hopes of spending eternity with the Lord after this is all over, my friend, then that is, he's, he's specifically referring to your day of redemption to the day of your death or the day of coming of Christ Jesus. Yes. Amen. Come on in, my dear. What is your life? And that's a question that he needs and wants to ask each and every one of us on today. And he wants us to begin to think about it. Let us not be distracted, my friends, because this message is too, it's too important. And there's a question that God wants to ask each and every one of us on today. Hear what thus saith the Lord. What is your life? And in what is your life, again, he's talking about now that you have been redeemed by the Lord, now that you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, now that he has made a reservation for you in eternity, that what is your life, what's the the value of life, what will you do with the, the rest of your time of your stay here, specifically? And see, many of us have not even thought about this question. Many of us have not even paid much attention to the question, no more than what we want to get out of the, the time of our stay here, what we personally want to get. None, uh, many of us have never entertained the fact that there is something that God wants to get out of your life now that he has made your reservation in eternity. And by the way, I would like to uh, just remind of, us of what God has already spoken, is that you know, out of First Peter when he speaks of the fact that when he makes the reservation, that he is the one that is faithful to keep that reservation. I just want to remind us of that because uh, somebody here may need to know today that when you see this is an important key in a part of us understanding uh, what is our life. This is an important part of us understanding the value of our time of the rest of our stay here. You see, because when Christ Uh, satisfied God and God and we accepted the plan of salvation that God has set before us then your salvation came because of your faith it didn't come because of your works it didn't come because of what you did it came because of what God did as you believe in his way of of redeeming you come on somebody and so I'm only simply saying that because if you understand that then you know that the reservation was made not by you for eternity, but it was made by God. That this is what God has done. God has made a reservation for you. And somebody needs to know this because some of us have grown up under the notion that, yo, know, somehow, I guess, that we made our own reservation because when we, and as we made the reservation, when we fall down, when we mess up, then somehow we can cancel our reservation. God wants to serve you news today, my friend, that he is the one that made the reservation. And and the reservation he made was not based on your goodness. It wasn't based on your works. It was based on your proclamation and your faith in his finished work that he done in Christ Jesus. And that is what he made the reservation based on the finished work of Christ Jesus. It don't have nothing to do with what you've done. Outside of believing and accepting it in your heart. And confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. See, and then it gives God, uh, it puts him in the right position and, and, and it gives him the right now to make your reservation. And that's what he's done. This is an important key in what we're talking about because now with the rest of your stay here, as God has made your reservation, as he is the one that is faithful to keep it, then it gives us a clear understanding. That we, as the Bible says, have been bought with a price. That we are his now. We, we don't, you, that you don't no longer belong to yourself. See, we sing the songs that I give myself away. That, uh, that to you I belong, O oh Lord. See, now not only the, the words to the song, now he wants to give you a spiritual understanding. That he's made your reservations and yes, to you, to him, you belong. To him we belong. Come on somebody. Amen. And this is important to our understanding because now as we look at what is our life, as we look at, as, at the value of the time that we have left here, the Bible says that our life, there is nothing more than a vapor. That your life is a vapor. A vapor is something that's here in a moment and gone the next. It's just a vapor. If you turn your Bibles to Psalms. It should be Psalms 34, I believe. No, Psalms 39 actually. Psalms 39, the psalmist David cried out to the Lord because he needed an understanding of what is, this, of what is life. In, in verse 34, he says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am indeed. You have made my days as a handbreath. and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Certainly every man, somebody say every man, that includes you and me, at our best states, our lives are nothing more than a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow, but he wanted to understand what is life. He wanted to understand more about this. He It was his heart's desire to, that God will show him the end of his days that for what a measure, that, that he may measure and understand the measurement of his days. Because see, when God shows you, and when he reveals to us, I'm talking about from the depths of our heart. I know that we hold our lives dearly to us. But I'm not talking about from our perspective, but I'm talking about from an eternal in a heavenly perspective, my friends. What we'll see is, that, is the same thing that he says, that I know that I, uh, that I may know that I am frail. And that's all that I am. that I am frail before you. This is important for us in our understanding as to what is our life, because all of these things that God wants for us to see, first and foremost, that our life is but a vapor, that we are here for a short period of time, my friend. Uh, He also refers to our time and our stay here as though we are pilgrims just passing through. He, he also refers to it in the same book of 1 Peter uh, of the fact that, w- that we, this is not our home. Right. Yes. That we are pilgrims just passing through, that we are in a foreign land. Yes. Come on, Come on, this is important that we understand how frail our time and how, how short of our time is. You know, if, if for most of us uh, sitting here today, that for many of us, The time that we have before us is is a lot less than the time that has already gone past us. Come on, somebody. And truly what this is all about is God wanting us to see the value of our time. The value of the time that we have left here and and really the only way that we can get a clear picture of the value of the time or putting value on the time is for us to realize how short our time really is. To really understand that that, you know, because this is what I said on last week and I'll say it again. Because hypothetically speaking, if God showed you today that next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, so what is that, about 10 days from now? That your, your, that your, your, your life would be required of you. Come on, now. Come on somebody. Yes. That if God, hypothetically speaking, I'm talking about, show you for sure that 10 days from now, come next Wednesday, you ain't going to be in this place no more. I guarantee we would understand the value of our days. Something would change immediately to the point where we would begin to value the time of our stay here because we would know how short it is. We wouldn't be continuing the way that that we may have been before, my friends. And and God is just saying, even as an example, my friends, you got 10 days left. And I ain't talking about literally 10 days, but the urgency in the the body of Christ, the urgency that God has for us, that he can use us. See, because that's what, yeah, that's where we're going. Because the bottom line is that until we really understand the, 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 that our life is only a vapor, that it, uh, it, it, it's going to put us at a place to really begin to understand that God has a value for us, that we can begin to value our days. And, and the purpose of the valuing of our days from God's perspective is that we no longer live our days for ourselves but for him who died for us. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go there real fast. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the sake of some. Verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 is the verse that we're looking at. And it says this. And he died for all. That's you and me. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. That sounds like you and me, my friend. This first live here when he says that those who live, he's talking about those who have had, have a reservation that he's made in eternity. Those who have eternal life. That's you and me as believers. He said he died for all. That those who have eternal life, that's you and me. We should no longer live this time, this little bit of time that we have. That it should no longer be lived for ourself, but for him, come on somebody, that you know that the word of God says that, you're, that, that you should no longer live for yourself. Here it is, but for him, our life is to be lived for him. What does that really mean, Pastor John? What it means is that you don't belong to yourself, so it ain't just a cliche, it's, real, it's, it's the word that means that you have been bought at a price yes. and that price was one that you could not pay and one that you can't repay Amen. this is a loan that you can't uh, even begin to pay back my friends it's the blood of the son of the living God Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. hallelujah and in that we have to understand that what he's asking of us is that for our short stay here until he brings us into his eternal presence And by the way, my friends, the Bible also tells us that our short stay here is not worthy to be compared to that which he has in store for us, my friends. So if we have to do a little bit of suffering, if we have to do a little bit of uh, uh, a living sacrifice, come on, somebody. Then it'll be all right because it's not worthy to be compared, my friend. And God is wanting to speak to the church because so much of what we've been <clears throat> led to believe is so much would have been, that's been hyped up before us. You know, and I get it. You know, because it's from, the, from, our, from our own self, Then you know, it, it's, we want to hear all of these things. We want to feel good. Or we want to feel better about what we're going through. And I get all of that. But the truth of the matter, by the word of God, God says that that what you're going through ain't worthy to be compared to what I have in store for you. He said if you died with Christ, then you were raised with Christ. And if we were raised with Christ, then we could suffer just as he suffered for a little while. For a little while. My friends. And not only that, uh, so I get all that we've been, you know, so when we, when the word, is pumped up in our, 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 our before us to, to, to appeal to our emotions you know in there I get all of that because all of us want to feel emotionally better you know some of us are going through some tough stuff and I get that but the truth is what will set you free my friend the uh, appealing to your emotions ain't gonna do nothing but make you feel good for a moment But it's not what's going to sustain you. It's not what's going to take you to the end, my friend. This is why Jesus said you should know the truth. And the truth is what's going to set you free. And the truth of the matter is, is that this time period that you have left in your life, now remember that God has made your reservation. That God says, I need to use you for a little while. And that you should no longer be, live this life looking at me for what you want. Look at this, live this life looking at me for what I want to do through you. Yes. And it's too much in the church where we don't want to do that. Our only expectations about our relationship with God is what is he going to do for me? But God said, I done saved you and I done made your reservation. What are you going to do for me, he said. Yes. See, because what he wants to do for, uh, 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 through you it's the same thing he did for you. He wants to use you that somebody else can have a reservation, my friend. So sometimes that, that takes us giving of ourselves. Sometimes it takes us even being uncomfortable for a little while. I know it's all right when it, when it takes us to the high places, when it takes us to the rich Carlton, when it takes us to, the, the, uh, you know, to sit with the, the big boys then it's all right for them to use us in them places. But what if it takes you down to the the south side of Chicago? What if it takes you down to the the streets uh, of downtown uh, Los Angeles off of Cicero? What if it takes you to South Oak Cliff uh, in Dallas, Texas to the projects? See, none of us want to go to them places. And I'm just using that as an example because my friends, there's people that God loves, just like he made your reservation. There's somebody that he needs to, to use you that they can have a reservation. So that brings us to the real nitty gritty of what we want to talk about today. And that is stewardship. The stewardship of our time. God has called us to stewardship as the redeemed of the Lord, then we are are called to stewardship. And in fact, stewardship is perhaps the the Bible's most clearest explanation or clearly explained and established purpose of the human race. It's one of the most clearest messages in the word of God that we are to be stewards over that which God has given us. And what is a steward? A steward is a representative or a manager, someone who stands in for the authority figure. I'm going to say that again. A steward is the representative or a manager that stands in for, in a, uh, for the authoritative figure. He stands in and he manages for someone else. A steward's overall responsibility is to carry out the will of his or her master. Here what well, thus saith the Lord, my friends. We are called to stewardship. As the redeem of the Lord, as the one that God has made the reservation, and now he's calling you to stand as a representative, and that which he gives you responsibility over. To, uh, in the over is for you to manage. The problem that we've had in the body of Christ is that our understanding for stewardship is that God has given me something that now it belongs to me. We didn't get the clear understanding that that which God has given you, it don't belong to you my friend. He's given it to you for you to represent and to manage. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. And what are the things you're talking about when you say these things? Well, I'm talking, it, it, it goes from the, the, the whole range. It goes to, first and foremost, our lives. It goes to our health. Your life don't belong to you. It belongs to God. Your life wasn't given to you by, by yourself. It was given by God. Your health don't belong to you. It was given to you by God. Your time. Your talent, your treasures, all of these things, your time was given to you, it don't belong to you, it was given to you by God Almighty. And if you don't believe it, let him take, redeem the time. See, some of us might not believe, but don't challenge God, because if he he takes his time back, guess what's going to happen to you? You ain't going to have it, because it don't belong to you, my friend and we need to understand this I'm talking about from the bottom of my heart no this ain't the message that's going to make you jump up and shout it ain't going to make you feel emotionally better but it's going to impart a truth to you that will change your life that will give you the true understanding to the value of the, uh, the rest of, you, of the days that you have left that as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ that we'll, and give it an account of the things that we've done in the body that you can have something on your account that adds up to something. And I ain't talking about what you think. Because see, many of us will stand before the king and try to proclaim that, oh Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Didn't I do this? We'll start trying to, we'll, we'll proclaim to them what we've done. Does that sound familiar? See, because if you look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. It goes on to say that many, somebody say many. Many Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did not prophesy in your name. Did not cast out uh, demons in your name. Did not do many wonderful works in your name. And you Bible students know what it says after that. Then he replied, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never, somebody say never. never. I never knew you. See, it's one thing. Yo, know, It's a hurtful thing when somebody says that they never knew you. It's one thing for somebody to deny knowing you in a moment in time. but to, But for Jesus, whom you Known in whom you for making these proclamations for him to say, I never knew you. My God, that is not nothing that none of us want to stand in that moment and that time because it ain't no going back. In, in that moment and that time, we're talking about standing at the judgment seat. And at the judgment seat, it ain't no do-overs, my friends. And we don't want you, that ain't the place that you want to find out that you've been living for yourself and not for him. No. That's not the place that you want to find out that what you think that you was putting on your books and on your account, that it didn't count for nothing, my friends. See, the only thing that's going to matter is what we've done for the Lord, is what the Bible says. And what that really means, if you read in context and study in context, it ain't what you've done for the Lord, it's what he done through you, right. For himself. Is what it really means. And that is something that we, so many of us in the body of Christ, that missed. So we go around trying to do a a bunch of things. And it ain't nothing that God has said. It ain't nothing that God has led. It ain't nothing that you've heard. It's just what we want to do for the Lord. And we'll get, uh, we'll use the scripture because we don't understand the context. And we'll go around saying that we've done a bunch of different things, and this is the same thing that many will stand before Christ and say, didn't prophesy in your name? He's going to say, yeah, you, you, you prophesied in my name, but it wasn't the prophecy I told you. You used, didn't uh, do many wonderful works in your name? Yeah, you used the name, but them wonderful works that you did, they wasn't uh, led by me, that was you. And it don't go on this book. The only thing that goes on this book is what I, le- what I said and what I led and that which was done in my name because I the one orchestrated it. See? And we better get this understanding it behooves us, my friends, because that, it will cost too much if we find out the truth in that moment, in that time. None of us want to face there. So the value of the days that we have, God is wanting to really encourage us that we have to lose ourselves, as Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, fifteen is talking about. That we should no longer live for ourselves, but your life and your time is set out for a purpose. He says, He told, he, he said, before you was formed in your mother's womb, He says, I knew you, just as He told Jeremiah. He's speaking the same thing to you and me, and the evidence is, is because you have a reservation, because you believe in him, because no one is drawn to the Father unless he does it. So before you was even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. And this time that you have, I'm talking about today, what is it, September 30th, 2018, this is a day that God knew of before you was even born, my friend. And he knew what he wants to speak to your heart on this day. That it could change your heart. That it could give you an, an understanding that will lead to a life change. That for the rest of your stay here, that you will be a vessel that is fit for the master's use. And I'm telling you, my friends, for you know, in plain and very clear English. I'm not trying to pump you up or anything else because the truth is is the only thing that's going to matter to you in the long run and I know sometimes the truth hurts and sometimes we don't even want to hear the truth but the truth is the only thing that's going to sustain you my friend and God is saying I need your life and I need you to quit to no longer live like you've been living but to truly give yourself over to, to him he says that's the reason why when you accepted Christ Jesus that's why I spent the blood of my son that I can wipe all your transgressions away. See, because if I didn't do that, then you would have an excuse to not be used by me because because you, you, our iniquity is too much. But God says, I've taken care of that, so you can't use that as an excuse to stay down. No, you only can use that as a liberty to get back up, my friends, because the blood of Christ Jesus has set you free. So today is that day that God is saying, I need you to come into alignment with the stewardship. And here's the thing. Anything the master gives to the steward becomes the individual's responsibility to manage for the master's pleasure. So that which God has given us, your time, your life, your health, your money, uh, my friends, your uh, spiritual gifts, Your abilities. See, quite often when we talked about stewardship, then we only wanted to refer uh, to money. No, this is about much more than that, my friend. See, because some of us don't have no problem just giving a little bit of money because that justifies me staying where I'm at. But God says, no, it ain't just about your little money because your money that you have is mine anyway. But I need you to understand that your time that you got is mine anyway. I need you to understand the spiritual, uh, your spiritual ability and your spiritual gift. That's mine too. And it's been given you, to you for the purpose of you managing it for my pleasure, God says. And this is what King David un- came to a point in his life that he understood in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, what we've been talking about over the last uh, several weeks. That he came to a place and an understanding that everything that he had, he realized it late on in his life, that everything that he had and everything that he ever had belonged to the Lord. That it came from the Lord and it belongs to him. And these are just more than words that we say. And I'm not just talking about what we can say. Because we can easily say the words. Oh, everything I got belonged to the Lord. And then we go out and use it the way And ain't heard nothing that he said on how to use it. This is a serious thing. And it really comes uh, clear when we begin to understand the truth. The grace that we've been given that comes from the Lord. Even the grace of God that he's shown us. He was speaking to us about that this morning. That he wants to use that same grace to us. The love that he's shown towards us. He wants to take that love and use it through us. He don't want you to love your neighbor or your, uh, your, 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 your brother with the love that you have. With your love. He needs you to love, allow him to love the same love that he's shown you, that he can use that love. So he wants to love your neighbor. He wants to love your brother with his love, not your love. See, because my love, if I love you with my love today, it'd be good. But tomorrow, when, when I think about what you said, what I heard, then my love ain't no good. Not tomorrow. So if you don't use it all up today, you're going to be through tomorrow. Can you see why he can't afford to have us loving one another with, this, with our own love? This is why he says in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. See, a new commandment. He said, no, and many of us, we, no, we don't want the new commandment. Let us stay with the old commandment. Love your neighbor as, as you love yourself. See? See, many of us want to stay with the, the, the old commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Yo, know, In there. Because when I don't love myself, you ain't got a chance and I, and you don't have to have no chance. So don't even think about it. And today I don't feel like loving you so I ain't going to love myself today so you already know what time it is. But glory be to God that Jesus Christ himself before he went to that cross he gave a new commandment unto the disciples, the apostles did, and to you and me my friends. To love one another as he has loved us. Hallelujah. As he has loved us. And he even went further in John chapter 15 verse 9. I love this because it gave me a clear understanding when I went on from John 13, 34 when he says gave us the new commandment. In John 15 a couple chapters later he explains to us exactly what He's saying when he's talking about as I have loved you. He said, love one another as I have loved you. See, and, then the, uh, and, and so it didn't take long for him to figure out oh, what they're going to be doing is them, playing like they don't know how I loved them. So he said, you know what, real quick, let me clear that up too. So in John chapter 15, just a little while later, he says, and this is how I loved you. I have loved you with the same love that the Father has loved me with. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the same love that the Father had loved him with, that he has turned around and loved us with. And this is the love that he commands, that we love one another with. So you can see why we can't love one another with our own love. This has to be him in us, working through us. Because in my best days, in my best state, I can't give you the love like Jesus has loved well, first of all, how God has loved the Son and how the Son has loved us is we're not capable in and of ourselves. But glory be to God that we have the Spirit of the living God that's living on the inside of us. That he also says that I have to go away because, and send him because I'm sending him because he will lead and guide us into all truths. But he said first but that when, he, the, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will come and he will make residence on the inside of you. Hallelujah. You have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you, my friend, as a New Testament believer. And it's high time that we begin to now give over to the hand of God. His works to work through us. And so real quick, before uh, we go any further, real quick before closing, we want to look at a real helpful example. It would be easy for us to look at the example. And last week we did look at an, uh, an example in the sense of what Christ, in Matthew chapter, uh, I think it was Matthew chapter something. We looked at it last week and get the tape. Where Jesus gave the directive of the, to the talents. Other talents, where he gave one, ten talents, one, two talents, I mean five talents, and one, two, and then one, one. You know. And it was a good example because the, the talents represents financing, but at the same time, it rep- this whole story was about stewardship. That when God has given us something to manage, when he's given his stuff for us to, to hold and to manage until he comes back. You know, what kind of steward are you over that which God has entrusted you with? See, and it'd be easy for us to just sum this up and keep it with money. Because some of us, you know, are good with money and then even the ones that ain't good with money, then we only want it to be responsible for that. We don't want it to carry over into our time, and to our spiritual gifts. See, because now we become fully accountable unto the Lord for the rest of our stay here. See, this now it reflects or, or, or it's gonna be it's gonna determine my commitment. It's gonna be it's gonna determine your know, everything about my life. I'm gonna be out of control. Uh-oh. Say that. And he's gonna be in control over everything in my life. See, and there's some things that we don't mind giving God control over, especially when we have crashed it. We want him to hurry up and come and take control but it's so much of our lives that we don't want to hand over it to him because we want to be in control of it. And quite often it's because we're afraid of what he may tell us to, to do with it or how he may tell us to use it or where he may tell us to go. See, I don't have no problem being in control of my time or where I preach at. I preach in Moreno Valley. You tell me to go to Hawaii, Lord, I'll go there too. But I don't want to put it in your full control because you might tell me to go to South Oak Cliff. You might tell me to go to Timbuktu somewhere. See, I just use me as an example. You can fill in the blanks, my friend, because there's things in our life and God has said I need to be in full control. I need to be fully being able to trust you. Here's the beautiful thing. So there is a a human helpful example that we can look at. It's found in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 39. (coughs) Let us go there quickly. Genesis chapter 39, it speaks to us, and here's an illustration, a helpful illustration of faithful stewardship found in Joseph, found in the story of Joseph, and many of us know the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of the the brothers. Right. And do you know what happened to Joseph as one of the brothers? He was one that they had uh, threw in the pit. He was the one that you can remember from little from Sunday school or when you was a little kid. There was the he was the boy that had a coat of many colors. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. Yes, we were going all the way back, yes. Yo, know, in there. And we know the story, and, and, and his brothers was jealous of him because his daddy loved him so much, you know, in there. And they, and they threw him in the pit, and, and then they went and got him out of the pit, and they ended up selling him into slavery. And when he was sold into slavery, this is where the story picks up. of you talking about stewardship? He was sold into slavery to Egypt. And there was a man that was Uh, A a pretty high ranking official for the Pharaoh named Potiphar that came out of Egypt and and, and Potiphar uh, was at uh, the slave trade and he bought Joseph and he brought Joseph to his house in there. And, and, And within a short period of time, he began to see the Lord's, the hand of the Lord on Joseph pretty quick. And in him seeing the hand of the Lord on Joseph, the fav, God, God, he had favor, God had favor on Joseph's life. Then Potiphar uh, made him the head over his household and gave him to be in charge of everything in his house. Even to the point where, what we're going to find out here, even to the point that Potiphar, uh, once he gave full control over to Joseph, that he didn't even know what he had. Come on, somebody. See, ain't too many of us, even if we bring somebody into our house and give them a little bit of authority over this or over that, we may give them some, but we ain't giving them all. Not even to the point where I don't know what I got. You think I'm going to give you my bank account book and, 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 and have you manage my money to the point now I don't even know how much money I got? See, this is what happened. See, I used me instead of you. But you can fill in the blank, right? Will we? Let's look and pick up in verse, matter of fact, let's just start from verse one real quick and I'll read through it very fast. Now Joseph had been taken down from Egypt. This is Genesis chapter 39, verse one. And Potiphar, an official of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, and an Egyptian, brought him from the uh, Ishmaelites, who had taken him down uh, uh, there, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, then he made him overseer of his house and all, somebody say all, all all that he had he put under his authority look at verse 5 so it was from that time from the time, excuse me from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake Come on, somebody. And the blessing of the Lord was all was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Now, look at verse 6. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except the bread which he ate. Come on, somebody. And he did not know all that he had, he didn't know what he had, except the bread that Joseph gave him, need. But what he did know is that the favor of the Lord was on that young man. And that he knew that, that not only was the favor of the Lord on that young man, but as the master of my house and in control of it, then God, glory be to God. That he and his whole household was fully blessed, my friends. See, stewardship takes the favor of the Lord to be operating in our lives, my friends. And when we are operating in stewardship that, that God has provided in the, in the parameters in which he is laying, come on somebody, then not only you will be blessed, but all that you touch will be blessed. All that's in the household, all that's in the field, your job will be blessed because you are on the job. So you can stop hating the job and just do the job. Knowing that the job is what God has given me. And see, the purpose of God giving the job, it, 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 it ain't just for your, your 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 pleasure. It ain't all about the benefits that we reap. See, God puts you on the job. Yes, he's going to give you some benefits. You're going to get paid, but he puts you on the job for a benefit for himself. And he wants his favor and, 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 and his stewardship operating through you that somebody else, remember what God wants, is he wants another soul that he can give a reservation to. Just like the one you have. See, this is true stewardship, my friends. The truth about stewardship, that faithfulness is the criteria or is the critical characteristic trait of a steward. Faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness. Somebody hear what we're saying here. Faithfulness is the critical character trait of a steward. And this is what we find in Joseph, that he was faithful. If you read a little bit further on in the story. Matter of fact, go to verse 16. Actually, I better not even skip that far. Because it won't do us no good. So uh, let's just keep reading. I'm going to pick up in verse 7 or in the end of verse 6. The last part of verse 6 says, now Joseph was a handsome, he, Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. We don't want to leave that out. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, that's Potiphar's wife, cast, cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me. Excuse me. My master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has in my hands. So what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. He's saying that his master don't even know all this in his own house because he's given me authority over his house. Okay, everybody with me? And he says that he committed all, of the, all that he has into my hands. There is no one greater in this house than I, Joseph said, nor has he kept back anything from me But you, his wife, because you are his wife, how then do I, this great wickedness and sin against God, not even against his master, Potiphar, but how do I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Why did he say against God? Because he know that all that had him given to him, it wasn't Potiphar that gave it to him, it was God, my friend. All that you have, it ain't because Pot- uh, Potiphar gave it to you. It ain't because your mama gave it to you. It ain't because you, you deserve it. It ain't because of the degree that you got. It's because of the Lord. And when we understand that, then we understand why we got the degree. We'll understand why mama passed this on to me. We understand why Uncle Joe left that to me. We'll understand that we didn't deserve it. But look at the faithfulness of this man, having been all given to him and under his control. And when this happened to him, he was faithful enough. See, faithfulness is critical. It's one of the most critical character traits of stewardship. Can we be trusted? Are we trustworthy? It's what it boils down to. And faithfulness, in other words, can be spoken of as loyalty or trustworthiness. When the authority figure is absent, that's God. He must have complete confidence in the steward's faithfulness to carry out his will. The fact that God is not sitting by your side, and the fact that he's giving you full control authority and full control and authority. What does that really mean? It ain't meaning that it's yours. No, all He's giving you full control and authority to manage and represent. Yes, yes, so. yes. To manage and represent. Let's say that again. Let's say it the other way. To represent and to manage. Do you know that you are just a representative and a manager of all that you have? Because it's all been given by the Lord. But it's been, uh, it's high time that we understand that because what we didn't understood is just like when my mama gave me $10, it wasn't hers no more, it was mine. And we treated God the same way, my friend, but when God is giving you the spiritual gifts, it ain't like that $10 that you can go and use it however you want to. It is given to you to be managed, to represent and to manage uh, for the glory of his will. This is good news my friends but at the same time this it's, it's, it's a challenge that God is calling us to you can't we can't stay where we are my friend because he wants he imparted truth and knowledge then guess what we become accountable for that truth and that knowledge and today is that day you are called to be a steward we are called to be a steward over all that God has given us including our talents, including our treasures, including our spiritual gifts, including our abilities. Everything that you have is to be administered by and for the glory of God. God ain't just saying this. We're going to close right here, but God, this ain't just the words. I know many times we go to church and we hear a word and, and And it goes in one ear and and, and it goes out the other or or we use it for a period of time and then it's gone. This is a life-changing, everlasting word. The the Bible says that his word is everlasting. His truth endured to all generations. It's not like our life. Because it was mentioned in, in, in part one that our life uh, it's, it's like a vapor. It, it, it was mentioned in, in, in part one that our life is like the, 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 uh, the grass of the field. The flowers. It says the grass wither and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever, my friend. And God knows, He understands. He knows where each and every one of us are. So ain't none of us here by happenstance. Even if you hear by accident, it ain't by happenstance. You, you think it's an accident, but it's purpose by God for you to hear from the word from His word today. And it ain't all a bunch of hoopla, but it's truth upon truth. Truth that is sent to, to just like what the word of God said, that it's powerful and it's sharp. It's sent to to, to, uh, separate bone from marrow, my friend. Will you receive his word today? And begin the journey to stewardship. Starting with placing your feet on uh, solid ground of faithfulness. Purposing in your heart to become a faithful person. One that will seek to hear the Lord. And not just hearing him, but then doing it. Knowing what the truth of the matter is. And the truth of the matter is, is that none none of what we have belong to us. It all belongs to the Lord. Can he trust you with what he's given given to you? Can he trust you with that he's imparted to you? Can he really trust you? He already knows, but do you know is the question. And you need to ask yourself the question, can God trust me with that which he's given me? I'm going to say that again. This is a question that we have to ask ourselves. Can God trust me with that which he's given me? I ain't talking about trust you the way you want to be trusted, but trust you the way he sent it to be, uh, for it to be. Trust him not for what you, your will, because I know he can trust me for my will because I'm going to do it. See, the things that I really want to do, you know, I keep saying that, see, I use me, but you know you can fill in the blank. Because the things that we really want to do, we find a way to do it. Through the things that we really want to do, we find a way to do it. My grandma used to say through something in high waters. I won't even say what it is. But I think you know, my friends. Come either one of them, we're going to find a way to get it done. I'm talking about my will. But will we give that same focus and attention to the will of the master? Are we faithful enough to give the same attention to God's will, my friend? This is where he's calling us today. Hallelujah. Let us look to the Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, truly your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it certainly cuts through the sunder of our hearts, Lord God. It's able to separate bone from marrow, Lord God. How powerful is your word? And right now, Lord God, I pray that that power will work to do the changes in our lives, Lord God. That you are calling for and that you are orchestrating for your glory for your perfect will to be done, Lord God. So, Lord, as you say it in your word, you use your son to say that we may we must work while it's still day. Because the night is coming where no man can work. Will you continue to touch our hearts, Lord God, with the understanding that our lives. It's nothing more than a vapor. It's a short time. And that it's important that we work while it's still day, Lord God. That the night don't creep up on us. That it don't catch us like a thief in the night. Lord, help us today, Lord God. Help us to make up in our own minds. Some of us right now is just, we hurt your word, Lord God. We pondering it to the utmost. But it's so many things that we want to hold on to, Lord God, that I just don't know that if I can do it right now. It's my intention, Lord, and you know my heart. You know I'm going to do it. But can you give me past next Wednesday? Can you give me past today? I need more time. And he says there ain't no more time. The time is here. The time is now. Make a decision in your heart to be faithful, to trust in the Lord, to be loyal to him, to seek him while he may be found, to do the will of the Father, to realize that your life is no longer for you to live for yourself and ask him to endorse it, but for he, to live for him who died for you. And rose again. So touch our hearts right now, Lord God. Break our hearts, Lord God, if that's what it takes. Give us a contrite heart, Lord God, that we might have a right spirit, Lord God. Change us and make us over, Lord God, that we may be vessels that are fit for your use. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Just come real quick. Hallelujah. This afternoon.